Door of Hope, it's lovely to be with you today. My name's Christy Misdom, and today we're continuing in our series, The Secrets We Keep. We are all aware that there are compulsions or tendencies or character traits that have a sense of not being as they should be in relation to God. We've described this at Door of Hope over the last couple of months as a, a dark thread that weaves its way through our stories and indeed through history. When humans, these beautiful creations of God, chose their own way over God's way back in the garden, this dark thread of disconnection started and has been weaving its way through our decisions, our families, our relationships and our stories ever since. The dark thread that can present itself as impatience comparison and as Danny shared with us last week the appearance that everything is okay today we're going to spend some time with hurry and we're continuing in the book of Genesis in the Bible with the story of Abraham and Sarah who you might remember from Steve's sermons a few weeks ago and if you haven't heard those you can check them out online and catch up with them but we're going to start today with Abraham and Sarah's story and uh Their names were changed from Abram and Sarai, which is where we find them. And we're going to read from Genesis chapter 15. You'll notice on your little chat section on your screen that you can uh, link into the Bible there or you can just follow along on the screen. So Genesis 15 verse 1 says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Elazir of Damascus? And Abraham said, Since you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who will be of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. This is Abram's story, but it's also Sarai's story. They were husband and wife, and obviously she's the one who'd be having the baby, a baby that would become a nation. God's people, the nation of Israel, the nation that would communicate God to the rest of the world and the nation that Jesus, the saviour of the world, will be born into. But the promise was not quick in coming. We're going to continue reading in chapter 16 as we get more of Sarai's story. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar, So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. 
Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. We're going to be coming back to Sarai's story, but enough to say that things weren't moving fast enough for her. There was a promise, there should have been a baby, and she was going to get things done. I have to admit that I'm pretty familiar with hurry. I like to get things done quickly. I like to have a plan, a project or 12. Anyone with kids is familiar with hurry because kids aren't so familiar with hurry. Walking to school with three small kids is a lesson in uh, patience on its own. Watching a small child put their own socks on uh, is a lesson in patience. And one of the strange things about having kids is discovering things about yourself because you hear them use your own words. When Ivy, uh, my eldest daughter, was playing with Toby, who was a toddler, they were playing a simple game and I could hear her saying, quickly, quickly. There was no need for him to speed up. But she'd heard me say it so many times. It was part of the words and phrases that she used. I wonder what some of the phrases you use for hurry are. Maybe you'd like to comment on the Facebook comments or in the chat section, and uh, you can share it with other people online. I have lots of them. Uh, my most common one is chop-chop with hand gestures. Uh, fast games, good game, which can relate to anything, not just games. Uh, I also asked some of my friends to give me some of theirs, and they had some great ones. Quick sticks, let's roll. Shake a leg, get a wriggle on. Come on. This is my favorite. We are going to be late. What do you need to do to feel finished? Stealing that one. People e even use foreign languages with their children. Viet Viet, apparently that's French for hurry up. Tugende Tugende, that's Rwandan. Uh, in Mexican, or in Spanish, they would say arriba, which means get up and move quickly. I realize that I have a vocabulary of hurry and it seems a lot of my friends do too. I really do want to move quickly. I have kitchen gadgets that help me do things faster. I have daily rituals that I've honed to be the quickest they can be. I can get to work in nine minutes by not speeding, not going through the school zones, missing all the traffic lights. I'm really good at it. I have strategies to get my kids to school quickly. I have strategies to get them home quickly. But hurry has not always served me well. I've come to discover that just as I have strategies for moving things quickly, God has strategies for slowing the pace and for giving space. God rested on the seventh day and he observed and appreciated what he created. It was good. He gave his nation of Israel rhythms, Sabbath each week, resting fields after seven years of producing crops, a jubilee year every 50. He gave us nighttime to sleep. I remind my kids of that almost every night. He gives us winter where production and growth slows. He gives mothers pregnancy, nine months, to slow and prepare and consider. Our culture gives us time too, holidays, long service leave, Pregnancy is where God got my attention about hurry. And not the first pregnancy and not the second pregnancy. It seems I was slow, a slow learner. But the third pregnancy, I was pregnant with our third child, but I have to admit that I wasn't happy. 
I wasn't content, not peaceful. Maybe I was even sad, maybe a little depressed. I wasn't sad that we were having another small child. I couldn't wait to meet her. But I realized with the help of a wise friend that I was grieving my plans for the future. I was grieving what I saw as lost opportunities. You see, when kids get to about two years of age, something happens with mothers. You see, kids get a bit more independent. Uh, They sleep better, which means we sleep better. They can put their arms in the car seat straps on their own. Our clothes start to fit again. Things go back to normal again. And when things felt normal again, I had plans. I was going to finish my master's. I was going to do some more nursing study, a few new projects. I was going to get fit. But I knew now, for the next nine months at least, I'd be tired and large and slow and probably sick. Then I'd have a newborn and I would be even more tired and more slow. And this little person couldn't feed herself or put her arms in the car seat herself. God was getting my attention, and with the help of some wise friends, again, I learned how to listen. God was saying, stop hurrying to the next thing when I have things to show you here. Stay here, be here, and enjoy now. He was saying, I am here, and this is not a mistake. You see, hurry can be an outward expression of an internal story. It isn't sinful to be efficient, to enjoy completing tasks or getting by traffic lights, but it can be a symptom of our heart's condition. Let's go back to Sarai's story. Sarai wasn't trusting the promise that God had given her. We don't know all of what Sarai Experienced through these many years of waiting for a child. But having journeyed with some friends who have spent many years trying for a child, I know that there would have been frustration and despair, anger, desperation, impatience. Trust and hope had disappeared and her dark thread had begun to weave its way through her situation. We know that Sarai took control of this process. In verse two, it says, perhaps I can build a family through her. She had a plan that would move her out of this season into the next season. She'd arranged everything, convinced her husband, organized her servant to have Abram's baby and bam, everything would be awesome. But it wasn't, was it? Things were far from awesome and hurry actually caused damage to her relationships. First, she blames Abram. You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering, she says. That would have been an awkward conversation, although one I'm sure many of us can relate to. Can you imagine what Abram's response might have been? Then her relationship with Hagar was in tatters. Hagar knew she was pregnant, Scripture says. She began to despise her mistress. And then Sarai says to Abraham, I put my slave in your arms, and now that she's pregnant, she despises me. Sarai was aware that God was part of this process too. 
may the Lord judge between you and me. Her relationship with God was broken. And finally, the dark thread of hurry wound itself tighter and tighter until it led Sarai to intentionally do harm to her servant. Her control and manipulation of the people in her life brought casualties. Hagar and her newborn son were banished. Ishmael was his name, would become a rival for Sarai's son who would eventually be born, not just for one generation nor the next, but for generations to come. You see, Sarai's internal story revealed her brokenness. My internal story at the beginning of my last pregnancy revealed my brokenness. I wasn't seeking God's mind on my plans or inviting him in to this process of thinking or processing what this meant. Our internal stories will always reveal our brokenness because of the dark thread of disconnection that ties us up on the inside that disconnect that originated way back in the garden and it's still revealing ourselves, itself now. Maybe it reveals itself as a lack of faith. Maybe that's what's on the inside that pushes us to hurry. Maybe it's a desire to have more of what we want. Proverbs 28:22, a book of wisdom in scripture says, selfish people are in such a hurry to get rich that they do not know when poverty is about to strike. Hurry takes away our perspective and being able to see things wisely. Maybe it reveals itself as a fear of silence or solitude or isolation. Maybe it's running away from responsibility, impatience with others or with God. Or in my case, it revealed itself as the fear of knowing what the true state of my heart was. What would happen if we found out what our hearts really looked like? What would we find if we asked God to help us look? These internal stories are contrary to the character that Jesus wants us to grow in. His desire for us is that his Holy Spirit brings us further into relationship with God and that our character develops into a Christ-like character. That's what the role of the Holy Spirit is, one of the roles at least. How does he do that? How does he grow our character? Well, by encouraging us in perseverance. In chapter, uh, two chapters on in this story of Abram and Sarai, God says to them, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Incredible encouragement from the Lord in this time of persevering. She still doesn't have the baby, but she's been encouraged. This character building comes from uh, God demonstrating that he's present in difficulty. He did this with the nation of Israel over and over again. In Egypt with Pharaoh, 
moving into the desert and journeying for 40 years, fighting armies in the promised land, being exiled. He was present and he showed himself time and time again. He builds our character by leading us through difficult situations, by making a way for us and revealing who he is in that process. We are all in difficult situations right now with the way our country, our world, our state is in. Some things are more difficult than others, but are you prepared to have him lead you through that he might develop your character through this season? He develops characters by giving us promises of who he is and that he's faithful to his promises. And actually, this is the really key um, idea I'd love you to take home today or keep it home since you're already there. Rather than a vocabulary of hurry, God invites us to share his vocabulary of promise. Rather than a vocabulary of hurry, God invites us to share his vocabulary of promise. What does this vocabulary of promise sound like? It sounds like his presence is with us now, here and with you. His provision is evident at this very moment. He is good today. He is good today. And we are here and God is here. He shares his promises with us in different ways. Uh, one of the key ways is through his scripture and his scripture is saturated with this vocabulary of promise. And I'm gonna share four verses with you. There are many, many more, but let's share these ones together this morning. Uh, in John chapter 14, verse 27, in the newer half of our Bible, Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. In Isaiah, the prophet says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. What a promise. Joshua a commander of the armies of the nations of Israel, God said to him, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Why? Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He'll be with you at home right now. Psalm 46.10, a psalm that has popped up, I think, every day this last week in different spaces for me. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. For people that hurry, being told to be still is not easy. It's not easy for me. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, I sensed that I should go and spend some time alone. It's not something I do very often, but I went to the Kate Reed Nature Reserve and I was sitting on a park bench right in the middle of the reserve and I really felt God say to me, I am here and you are here. He was reminding me of the promise of his presence 
it was a powerful moment and I was encouraged that sitting quietly for even just a few moments and opening ourselves up to what God might be saying is a way to have encouragement from him, to hear something new from him, to have him reveal something real to my heart. And it was um, a really amazing time. For those of you who were stood down from your jobs this week, I'm sorry. For those of you who are struggling with anxiety and worry, I know it's hard. For those of you who have lost community and contact with family and loved ones, I'm so sorry for how that feels right now. What I am confident in, though, is God is working out his promises for us in these moments, not in a week's time or in a month's time, not when coronavirus is gone or they find a vaccine. God is working out his promises now. There are so many lists of God's promises available in books online, scriptures that will teach us a new vocabulary of promise that will remind us of the truth of who God is this very day. Be aware as you're reading scripture to maybe jot down those promises. You'll come across new ones that you hadn't read before. Keep a note, they're promises of what God is doing in the world right now. God is present in your isolation. God is present in your hurry and he's present in your rest. And for those of you who have resonated with the secret of hurry today, invite God to speak into this area. Invite him to highlight what's on the inside. Can there be growth in, their ne- in this next season for you? Yes, there can. There can be growth in this season. Read the rest of the story of Abraham and Sarah. God brings his gifts to Hagar and her son. It's a beautiful story of hope. God fulfills his promise to Abraham and Sarah and makes a great nation from them. I'd love to pray for you now, everyone who's joined us online. I'd like to pray for his peace and awareness of his presence with you and for listening ears to hear his voice. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, Thank you for everyone listening today and in the days to come. Thank you that your promise to us is full of hope. You are not a passive God. You are not a dead God, but you are alive and at work. God, I ask for peace for all of us, a sense of shalom, a peace that settles on us all and reminds us that you are in control that you are not surprised by the coronavirus and that you are good. And would you help us to have listening ears, God? May you give us rest from chaotic thoughts that we may hear your spirit and obey your instructions.